Hey everyone, what you're about to witness is a test. This was my first ever talk show attempt at podcasting and well, I expected some things to go wrong. One of them being that the cameras went off halfway through, the audio cut out at several moments, and I couldn't even realize that I needed to keep my head in the frame for most of the episode. So I'm posting this online as a memoir to myself and remember how much I screwed up in the first attempt, but there's a real lot of valuable information in here for my buddy Andrew, so I decided it was great to go ahead and post it anyway. So if you could bear with me being an idiot for one hour, I promise this is a great viewing. Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below, and I will see you very soon. All right, so welcome back to the first episode ever of Coffees in Com... <laughs> <laughs> right. Coffees in Conversations. Coffees in Conversations. While wrapped in kimonos. While in kimonos. Kimonos in Conversations. Today we're joined by my, my friend and all-star in the field, the Two Comma Club Award winner, the founder of Seven Figure CEO, Authority Accelerator, and five other courses I couldn't even name. Andrew Crozet. I feel like a fucking burrito right now. You look like a burrito, but you look like a very, a very good burrito, a very it's cultured burrito. It's a loosely burrito. wrapped burrito. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I can't open up or like the audience will see too much. So if you do, if anything opens up, uh, drop in the comments, oops. Uh, we'll put like a face, like your face over it. Maybe Jeff, <laughs> we'll put Jeff's face over it. So yeah! like, like <laughs> just Jeff's face comes out of nowhere. Uh, we just got demonetized. <laughs> so here we are on the first episode. We've, uh, we've tried this once before. We're trying it a second time now. I'm honored. We're popping a cherry. Popping a cherry. You know, I'm learning a little bit about how to be a good host, good podcast. I just lost like a bunch of my older audience with, wow. <laughs> That kid isn't mature. That kid's not mature. Running a my business. My mom doesn't think I'm mature either. It's but. okay. My mom doesn't talk to me anymore. Mm. I'm just kidding. She's a lovely yeah, yeah, yeah. lady. But anyways, we met at Cooper's Hawk with Steph. And I like snuck in a Jeff's event that day because I snuck into Aaron James's event. And then I snuck into Jeff's events because that's what I do. I just hop around events yeah. as I've yeah. snuck into all of yours. And yeah. uh and that's been great so far. Um, and then we actually invited you. And then to you invited me. Our event. So How you have that? to just sneak in. Yeah. And then you'll get invited. And then, to, then I get invited, you, right? But that's amazing. It like, was. If we look at that, like you created a network of mm -hmm. people you wanted to surround yourself with. Yeah. And then you started getting invited to things. Yeah. So like right? I always would sneak into everything and people just believe you're supposed to be there because that's just how it works, right? Yeah. So anywhere you walk into, if you, and I believe that Is it's this like- good business advice? It's great business advice okay. because okay. when I was trying to get involved, I was like 18 when I started in this space and nobody would take me seriously because I was like 18, you know? Yeah. So. I believe that you have to like take an alter ego shift and you have to like step out of your body and be like, I am no longer Brandon Becker, this 18 year old. I am this widely successful multimillionaire CEO. I drive a Ferrari. My girlfriend's name is Natasha. She's a Russian spy. Like I am the most successful person ever. And when I walk in here, I am now that person. And what I would do is I would just walk into these events that I'd find on Facebook and I'd like puff my chest out. I'd be like, I am here. Yeah. And I'd be like, yes, I'm, I'm Brandon Becker. I do these things. Hello, what do you do? Yeah. And people would just flow with that, yeah. you know? And, and that, that was like how I got into all these different events. And that's what led me to you and your event. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, that's a little bit more extra of yeah. like, you talked about the identity shift. You talked about like, I am this person with the Russian spy girlfriend. Yeah. Like, 
the way that I looked at it, the way I was able to create my identity shift starting out mm -hmm. was like, I was miserable. I was working a nine to five job in Chicago, okay. 50 cold calls per day, just slugging down coffee, just trying to get through the day and get that one person on the phone out of 50, mm -hmm. which rarely happened. Hated it. So I set a goal to lose 20 pounds and to quit drinking in 90 days. Okay. When I hit that goal, day 70, looked down at the scale at the YMCA, it was 162 pounds. I was 21 pounds lighter. Yeah. That was the identity shift that happened for me of like, I am master my fate, I'm captain of my soul. Like, mm -hmm. I can do anything I put my mind to. I'm in control of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it helps to have that like, your identity shift of like, I moved from, I don't know if I can say your real first name. No, I, I said from, it. I'm Brandon and now I'm Icon. Yeah. Yeah. And that can help facilitate yeah. that real internal shift, which it probably has. You show up differently at networking events. I do. You surround yourself with these people and your, your identity shifts naturally internally. Well, like it's really cool. So, so Tony Robbins has a really great presentation on this, but essentially like how it was, was... Tony Robbins basically talks about those like different parts of you, right? Yeah. So there's like a warrior, yeah. there's like a lover, mm -hmm. there's like a, a mastermind, a magician, and then, then there's uh, there's other parts too that I'm not sure of. But like what you want to do is you're not that person at all times, right? Like uh, a girl who's incredibly confident model is not always that confident model. She yeah. has shallow parts, right? She yeah. has sensitive parts. And one of the biggest issues we make as humans is that we don't ever recognize that they're different people inside of us and that we like transition in and out of those people all the time. We, a lot of people think that we're just one vessel that is always riding these different terrains mm -hmm. and it's just not the case. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, like I, when I really first started, nobody really took me seriously because I was like, hi, I'm Brandon, I'll do your videos. Um, and, and people were like, okay, cool, I'll give you like 10 bucks an hour. And it just didn't flash at people. And I go to network events, I'd be like, hi, I'm Brandon, and no one would remember my name. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we switched over and I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna build this person that's in like the warrior side of things that he's always confident, he's always cool and collected, and, and he really makes an impact on people, one that we might call iconic. And I was like, let's go ahead, I'm gonna be that person. And mm -hmm. I went to my first networking event, I was like, hi, I'm Icon. And the first response I got, I was so scared to like say that to anyone mm -hmm. because I was like, no one's gonna take me seriously. Just as I know you didn't take me seriously. <laughs> Nobody took me seriously for a really long time. I was like, no, no, no. What's your real name? <laughs> I, know. I was like, I was like, no, I, I promise. He's like, you're like, no, what the fuck is it? Um, and, and so like people, I was so terrified. No one's going to take me seriously, especially in a field where it's, this is like a business focused field. And the first person I went to, I was like, hi, I am icon. I said it with the most enthusiasm ever. I was firm. I had a handout. I was ready to go. And the guy looks at me and he's like, icon. That's a damn cool name. I'm Jeff. And I was like, wow, no one thought about it or anything. And also mm -hmm. no one ever is going to forget that now. And yeah. that what's really crazy about that is that one small name shift built an entire empire for me. Mm -hmm. Like that built like me facilitating myself in like all the, the different areas. You yeah. Know? And that um, was like the start to the uh, confidence momentum, right? Yeah. Like as entrepreneurs, all we're trying to do is build momentum. And that was yeah. one shift that you needed to build momentum. Yeah. And the more momentum you get, the more confidence you get, which builds more momentum and just upwards from there. But also kind of in the same thread, the way that I was able to change my life over those 90 days was that I, I took a binary lens to life. Binary I lens. thought, am I coping or am I thriving right Ooh, now? Okay. 
And that shifted everything. Everything that I was doing, I tried to tap into. Am I eating this much because I'm hungry? Or am I eating this much to cope with the feelings that I currently have? Yeah. Or am I going to the gym right now to hit my goal? Or am I going to the gym right now to cope with my current emotions that I haven't really dove into or processed yet? And did you like write those down or chart them? Or like, how'd you keep track of all that? So it was a mental check-in. Am I coping or am I thriving right now? Uh And like just being able to, like if you're in a situation that you, in life, that you don't want to be in right now, if you can check in and do more thriving activities instead of coping activities, you'll start to hit this, uh, what's called the slight edge up. If you read the book, The Slight the Edge, there's yeah, a slight book. edge up, there's a slight edge down. Yeah. It's just about carrying your momentum in the right direction. Yeah, right. I guess what I'm a little confused by is like, if, I, if I'm in a situation where I'm like, am I doing this because I'm coping or am I thriving? What do I do if I'm coping? You know, what- You change it. What do I change it to? You take a break, you take a deep breath, and you realize that you're coping, and then you have the opportunity to shift. So yeah. if it, it could be, okay, I have, cope, or I have uh, thriving activities that could be meditation, could be breath work, could be working out, mm-hmm. could, be, um, could be surrounding yourself with the right people. Like, yeah. let's say you're talking to uh, a, a girl yeah. that is just draining your energy, yeah. shifting it, be like, oh, I'm coping with this girl right now because like, I want something else yeah. to cover up the pain. Yeah. And then shifting that to somebody you really love and admire in your life. Now, just to be clear, like, it, not all negative habits are like coping though. For like, for example, like, if I go out on the town with, with the boys and we have a couple of drinks, I'm not just coping. It's not just that like, going out and hanging out is not like a bad thing. You yeah. know? Maybe that if, could be thriving. If, if you're going out to numb the pain, yeah. then it's coping. Coping. If you're going out to expand and connect, yeah. and just that, then you're thriving. Thriving, okay, now now we're on the same page. Um, what do you think is like a couple things that are, are for me like personally, because I've noticed this a couple times where like, there's certain processes that I've done now that I'm like, am I letting this control me? Or am, am I controlling it? Now, this part, we're going to mm, leave off the thing. That's but That's a I, good binary yeah. lens to look through. Yeah, so this next part, we might have to leave off the, uh, the, the interview here. But like, <laughs> um, like for me, like one of the biggest things that made a huge shift in my year this year was like eliminating masturbation. Mm. So like the ability to, uh, like with alcohol and, and other things, it's very much like a simple to me, like a yes, no. Mm. And I've never really been like addicted to anything. Like, I'm not addicted to drinking. I'm not addicted to smoking, anything like that. But... I realized that like, I thought I was a better human being because I was like, I'm not addicted to drinking. And when I feel bad, I don't drink. Like I'm a superior Superman. But then I realized that like every day I was doing this, this act Mm -hmm. that would bring me pleasure and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like when I felt bad, I would resort to that. Mm. And, and I looked at it and I was like, this is me coping with the fact that like, I don't have a partner. The fact that I can't do something or the fact that I just, I'm not attractive enough to, to find someone that can fulfill this need for me. And I was like, I'll just take the easy way out. And by being able to turn off my instincts and say like, hey, not, not only could I conquer my mind, but I can conquer my internal body mechanisms now. Like that's the hardest thing to conquer. Like your sexual tension, yeah. is, it's difficult. Like, yeah. can you imagine if you had it where someone came to you and said, hey, Andrew, to double your business in three years, you would never have to have sex. Yeah. You can't have sex for three years. Yeah. Would you be able to do that? Uh, 
I, it depends on like what I actually want. Yeah. Right. So to double my business, like I want to be able to connect with the opposite sex. Yeah. So like, no, like money's just not worth more than exactly. Like I'm at the place where I'm like, well, money, like, yeah. But I think that's like a great example as to like something I've noticed because I've never really been big into meditation because I always fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you fall. Do you ever fall asleep when you're meditating? Mm, I have a couple of times. Because I'll be there yeah. and they'll put like the music on, they'll quiet it down, then I just I pass out. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. happens every time. Um, but like eliminating that made me go like every time that I conquer one of those urges now, I feel like a, I feel like a, like a recovering like drug out al- uh, drug alcohol addicted man. Yeah. That's like I beat this. I yeah. thought about it. I don't want it. I'm done now. You recover your power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what? Let, let's step past that. So you did that in that 90 days, right? Where you no were like, drinking. no yeah. drinking, I'm coping or I'm thriving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened after the 90 days though? Kept that. Like I read the, uh, one of my favorite poems, Invictus, the one line, I'm, I'm master of my fate, I'm captain of my soul. That just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like I am not letting any outside circumstances determine my destiny. Okay. It is just up to me. And like everything outside of us is just a reflection of ourselves. Just a reflection of our own internal shit. Yeah. Like I was talking to a girl last night who was talking about this big fight she just had with all her friends, all of this stuff. She said, I wanted to confront, confront this person and let him know what he did. Yeah. That's never a good way to confront somebody. Never. People always want to feel... Uh, uh, smart, in control, and free. Smart, in control, and free. Okay. So whenever I'm engaging with somebody and I'm not letting them feel smart, in control, and free, then I know there's probably shit that's going to come back to me. Yeah, Right. that makes sense. And her friend probably felt attacked. So he came back at her. With that nastiness, yeah. if she could learn um, how to have those crucial conversations and kind of take a, a little note out of, um, uh, out of just being able to communicate better and say, like, yeah. the story in my head is this, and not actually attack the person and speak to her own experience, then she would have more, the, the person would be more open but how do you, to opening I, up. So I like that a lot. But I also know that a lot of times when I converse with people, right? Like I've got a, I, what I'd like to think is like a heightened awareness of situations. I am a firm believer that every, my father taught me this, every problem in the world, Andrew, can be solved with a simple conversation. Mm. But the issue is, is that men don't want to be simple enough to have it. So I always try to talk things out to people. What do you, what do you mean by men don't want to be simple So like enough human, humanity don't want to be, they don't want to be simple enough to have it because essentially whenever you have a problem, like when we've had disputes before in the past, right? You've come to me and you were like, hey, you were doing X that I didn't like and I would hope that you can resolve that so that we can achieve Y. And it's a very simple like conversational formula. You didn't come at me and you're like, oh my God, you made me upset. I hate you so much. Like you didn't do that. Yeah. You know, you didn't come up with that, that, that nastiness. And so it was really simple. We sat down, we talked like men and here we are still sitting tea in kimonos and having a conversation, right? Um, but when I've had that conversation with a lot of people and that way of trying to solve problems with more of like a formula approach instead of like a, like a, I come and yell at you, you come and yell at me, we yell until we're done and then we'll like fix it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are insulted by that yeah. and they also just don't respond well to it. Like I've had fights with girlfriends that I'm like, hey, listen, you do this and it upsets me and I would really wish that 
you, you could maybe try working on it. I'm not saying I want you to just turn it off, but I, I'd like if you could work on it a little bit. And, and in return, you know, I'm going to work on whatever I've done to incite this, this incident. And they'll just be like, I don't want you to talk like me, like I'm one of your clients, like I'm out. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's because people are not at that caliber to have that level of conversation? What do you think that that is? I think it's just a skill set. I think you need to study communication mm -hmm. um, and build up that skill set. Uh, if one thing that has really helped me is speaking to my own feelings and not attacking what they're doing. So saying, hey, these actions that you did, like this is how it's affecting me. Because mm. you can't argue with feelings. Yeah. Like this is my own experience. You can't yeah. argue with my experience. Like, um, hey, you went out last night without texting me. Yeah. And in my head, my own story was that you don't care about me. That and makes sense. I don't know if this is true, but this is just how I'm feeling. But do you also think that maybe sometimes our feelings are just in a, like they, they, they're, they're just wrong? Like maybe not wrong, wrong, but like maybe they're just not justified. Like for someone, for example, that's had like a really nasty past relationship and then they start dating someone really good, right? Everything that that good person's doing. Yeah, but if you're coming from the point of view of like, this is my experience of it, can you mm -hmm. tell me what your actual intent was through that behavior? I like that, yeah. That, that is where you can have an actual conversation. And like my, my last relationship, there were times where emotions would escalate and you cannot communicate when emotions escalate. Yeah. Like you need to bring those emotions back down. Mm -hmm. So you need to set, when you're going into those crucial uh, conversations, set um, parameters, set expectations at the beginning and say, hey, I wanna have a conversation around this. When either of our emotions start to escalate, we need to do something to bring it back down so we can actually communicate in this conversation. Yeah. Just because we're conversing doesn't mean we're actually communicating and getting through to each other. So yeah. can we agree to that? Yes. Boom. You set the parameter. Mm -hmm. Then when emotions start to escalate, you can have that, that, that trigger to yeah. be like, Hey, let's bring it back down. Yeah. That makes remember, sense. remember how we set expectations at the beginning. Can we actually communicate? Cause yeah. we both want the same thing. Like, especially in a, in a, a relationship, you guys both want love. You yeah. both want happiness, right? So let's figure out what that actually is. Is it inside of this container of yeah. us? Uh, in, inside of our relationship or is the best thing for us to do is move on, but we won't know until we actually communicate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the best things that also factors into that is um, what Alex Schlinsky once taught me was that like whenever you are kind of approaching like a controversial conversation, you need to approach it with a solution that everyone would want. Like maybe if you screwed up, for example, like I'm on, and this also applies to business, you know, like when I, so we have a lot of times where we run a video production agency and a lot of times equipment breaks. It just happens. Um, and unfortunately there's nothing we can do about it. We spend tens of thousands of dollars. There's, there's $30,000 in equipment sitting in this room right now and something is going to break. That camera just broke, right? It doesn't make any freaking sense. It's I spent not working? so much. That, no, that one's working. That okay. one's not working. So that's why we're using the phone. Which one should I? Oh, the phone. Yeah, the phone. Yeah. There you go. So like, that doesn't make any sense. I spent like $2,000 on getting the best one and it still breaks. So a lot of times things break. And a lot mm -hmm. of times we have clients that aren't entirely happy because these things break. Yep. Being able to come at, if I came to you and I said, well, 
you know, Andrew, we, we made a video, we fucked up, it broke, we're sorry. Uh, we're gonna give you a refund. Yep. It doesn't really solve much. It doesn't tell you like, it, you, you got your money back, but you don't feel good about it. And you're like, man, this isn't what I want. I didn't want my money back. Like I wanted the thing you promised me. And sometimes we can't do that. But being able to approach like a conversation being like, hey, Andrew, listen, we recorded the video. It screwed up. I'm very sorry about this. And, and, and you know, this does happen. Sometimes our equipment's off, which just like at TOB, our color scheme got completely screwed up. We don't know why that happened, right? Um, but coming to you and saying like, Andrew, listen, this did happen. Not only am I going to make this right by A, producing another video for you completely for your charge, but I'm also going to go above and beyond and produce X, Y, and Z for you as well. Um, I, I feel like that kind of saved a lot of our client conversations. It's also saved a lot of my relationships as well. Being able to come in and being like, that's- Can I add something yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah, add something to that. What really, really helps is asking, hey, what do you need for me to make this right? Ooh, I like that. Getting them in on the conversation and making them feel heard and seen mm -hmm. instead of just saying, this is what I think the correct solution is. I like that. Get their input in Yeah. On it. Do you think that that's important to come in like during the conversation? So like, hey, we screwed up, this happened. What do I need to make this right? Like that's how the flow should go instead of like, hey, we came up, this is what we think we should do or what, we, what do you think we should do to make this right? Yeah, so they might not know right off the bat. So sharing them with, uh, with them, hey, I think this would make it right. On yeah. Our end. What do you need uh, to feel like it's all, it's all fixed. Cause sometimes they come in and they're like, Hey, listen, so we had a, we had an event one time where, um, we had it where essentially half the crowd didn't show up. Um, and, uh, it just looked bad on camera. And so we had a lot of shots of the crowd. I remember that. Yeah. We had <laughs> not like, not at my event. Not, not at his event. I was speaking there though. His and I was angry too. His event had many people, but not the event he was speaking at. Yeah. Um, and so it didn't have a lot of people. And so we had a lot of shots of the crowd being empty and mm -hmm. you know, it's not our fault. It's what we were paid to film, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we came to the guy, we were like, Hey, you know, here's the footage. And they were like, well, we don't want this footage. It's a lot of footage of like the empty crowds. And we're like, well, we don't know what else we were supposed to film. And we were like, what can we do to make this right for you? You know, we want to make sure you're ecstatic and happy and you give us a great testimonial. And he was like, I want you to refund me. And I was mm. like, I just, I didn't know what to do in that situation. Mm. Um, and, and what would you have suggested would have been like the right way to go about that? Having parameters if they signed a contract where it said no refunds. Yeah. Like that's always something to go back to, but also not being confrontational right off the bat. But as long as you have like the legal high ground, yeah, then you're good. Um, but uh, in that situation, being able to refer back to that contract and being like, well, we signed this contract, it says no refunds, so what else can we do? Like we really want to yeah. make sure that this is a big win for you. How do you tackle that in your current agency? Like I'm sure that not every student that comes in your program is an all-star. I know you have a really great vetting process. Don't get me wrong. I don't think you bring in like any bozo, mm -hmm. right? But I'm sure there's a couple times where someone joined the program and it wasn't what they wanted and they mm -hmm. wanted to back out of it. Yeah. And uh, what did you do about that? There are times where you need to be flexible and there are times to admit that it's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. um, there are times where a refund is justified. There are times where a refund is not justified, yeah. right? Um, as long as you're setting the parameters <coughs> right off the bat and being able, the big thing in the coaching consultant course creation space is to be able to track what your, the clients are actually doing. Yeah. Being able to see what they're actually producing, being able to uh, track their progress. Are they actually watching the video? Yeah, like this didn't work because- Yeah, so if somebody's coming yeah. to you and you're a course creator, 
we use Kajabi and we can see on the back end how much of how many videos they watched and yeah. how much of the video. We can look at their personal profile or their Facebook group and see they haven't posted in there for three weeks, right? So yeah. we're able to see if like they actually implemented this stuff. Yeah, right? I think like it's just a weird field that's never a right answer because at the end of the day, the client does have the power of like they can do a chargeback. And you know, I know you know that if you get enough chargebacks, your whole account gets screwed over. Yeah, that's why anything over two thousand bucks have a contract. That anything way, over two thousand, write that down, folks. Anything over two thousand bucks have a contract. Have a contract, <laughs> then you can always, if they charge back, you can always send the contract through Stripe and other proof and that sort of stuff. Um, so you're protected there. And also, if they ever come to you with the conversation of like hey, I want to back out of this, and they just haven't put in the work, you have the legal grounds to be like, hey, you yeah. didn't fulfill on this, Yeah. right? Well, I think that's really why it's so important to be able to, I, this really all boils back down to like communication though, right? Yeah. Like, if we're gonna talk about what the most important skill for anyone, not just entrepreneurs, anyone in the world to have, I truly believe it's communication. Yeah. Because we just said it doesn't apply only to business, but it also applies to you know relationships. Yeah. And being able to go through those things and being able to navigate yourself out of those difficult positions. But aside from communication, what else do I need? And not just in a business sense. What do you think is the most important thing for people to have that could easily, like if they did it with, like for example, I'm a great speaker. I know that. If I go into an entrepreneurial field, I will excel because having that tool, it's like, it's like having a power saw instead of having like a handsaw, right? As compared to the normal world. So what else could I do that I should be working on besides just being a better speaker that I could grow in my business and my life? That was a really long-winded question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I have a really simple answer for that. And it's what most people don't do because you need space and you need you need to have space and you need to tap into your heart, heart. which is a vision, values, purpose, and plan, mm. right? You need to know where you want to go, like what you actually in your bones, in your heart, in your gut, where you want to be in three years, in two years, in one year. You want to have that vision. Then you want to have the values, right? You want to have those standards for yourself. Every successful person that I meet, like super successful person I meet, have values and they have super high standards for themselves and for the people that they surround themselves with. Yeah. Like for your team. If your team isn't hitting KPIs, then that's a standards issue. I have, I have these key, uh, key performance indicators. Yeah. These are the numbers that you have to hit. If you're not uh, hitting them, you're not meeting the standards of our business, right? Mm -hmm. um, or like in your own personal life, like let's say your, your standard for your weight is 180 pounds and you let it creep up to uh, uh, 210 then your values, there's a value that you're not living by that should mean a lot to you. Yeah. And uh, that you're not keeping that standard, right? Mm. So value standards um, and uh, a purpose. So really good book, um, The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Cope, talks all about Dharma, all about your life's path, right? And there's a really good, they bring up, he brings up a lot of famous people in history, but one that sticks out is um, Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. So Jane Goodall went into the jungle and studied chimpanzees for 30, 40 years. Yeah, I think I heard this. And like just discovered so much about them, totally revolutionized that field, Yeah. right? And she was meant to do that. 
that was her dharma, that was her path. Because when she was a child, she would go into a chicken coop and just watch hens lay eggs for hours and just study them. Mm -hmm. And like her parents wouldn't know where she is and like she would just love to study animals, right? Yeah. So if you look back at your childhood, what really fucking lit you up? That is most likely your dharma. So if I look back, I looked back, I read that book, I looked back at mine, I remembered back to when I was five years old, I was on a softball team and I, my mom was supposed to sign me up for T-ball, but she put me on a softball team, bunch of girls. That's another story. Uh, but wait, hold on. Just on a softball team. Yeah. And <laughs> they <laughs> scratch it. Okay. I played softball. All right. You got such a big, how did they work that? Like, you can't just, I mean, this is a very powerful thing, but I just want to know, like, how did she get you on a softball? Was there other guys on the softball team? There were a couple. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't right. just me and a bunch so of So you go back, back in your childhood and softball. That's a different fucking story. Gotcha, gotcha. So they gave us candy bars to sell to raise money for the team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, one morning, right after we got those candy bars, I woke up, grabbed the box of candy bars, went out the door, parents didn't know, and I went door to door, sold the candy bars. Really? Came back a couple hours later. This is at five years old. Parents were worried sick, and I had no candy bars left in the box, and I had a handful of cash. That's pretty crazy. And I five looked back old, at that, that moment, and I'm like, wow, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur. I'm mm. meant to make, make other people happy through whatever form it is, candy, whatever, yeah. and get paid in return. I'm like, that's my dharma, that's my path, right? Um, And just looking back at what lit you up in your childhood is a really, really good indicator of what your dharma or your purpose is supposed to be. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool now you mentioned that because like, when I look back on my childhood, there was a lot of moments that I did kind of have an entrepreneurial style where like in fourth grade, I used to sell, uh, I I would like, well, actually, in sixth grade, I don't know if you remember, like, there, there was Smarties. You remember those, like, candies? Yeah. Well, there was, like, this weird time in my generation where, like, kids would crush the Smarties and then they would, like, smoke them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... You remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, you were, you were with those type of kids. I wasn't with them, but I knew they existed. <laughs> All right, listen. There was a need in the marketplace. There was a need in the marketplace. Yeah, you're saying. And so... These kids would smoke, like, a ton of these Smarties, man. And yeah, I'd go to Costco... <laughs> <laughs> There was a big problem at your school, you're saying. It was a huge problem at my school. And uh, I went back and and I would go to Costco and I'd buy a box of Smarties for like 60 60 Smarties for like 20 bucks. And then I would be like, all right, I'd smell these Smarties for $1 a piece. And I would be getting three Smarties out of that. So I'd be making $2 profit. And I was the Smarty freaking king, man. I was like the kid on the block that would go up. I had a lunchbox. I had all different types of Smarties and I got big Smarties, done. Spicy Smarties, done. All different Smarties. And I was running up a check on this. I would literally go up one day. I had a jacket that literally like I'd go up and I'd be like, yo, you want to buy some Smarties? And there's my nipple on the camera. But like I'd literally do that. And uh, there we go. Boom. Yeah. And, um, and believe it or not, I actually got arrested in sixth grade for selling, for selling smarties. smarties. Smelling Smarties. Like they literally, they were like, they, the, the guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, what do you got in that lunchbox? And I was like, Smarties. And he was like, 
why do you have so many Smarties? And I was like, I don't know. I like candy. And he was like, he's like, yeah, you come with me, Bubba. And so like, I had to go to the principal's office. They like open all my stuff. They like lay out all the Smarties on the table. The sheriff comes in, he's checking it out. He's like, oh man, you sound a bunch of Smarties. And uh, yeah, long story short, it was a terrible call to my parents. My mom was like, what? What are you putting my son in, uh, in this so, recess so for? So your dharma is selling drugs. I thought it is selling drugs. I would say <laughs> that, but like looking back, like, I wish I could say it's entrepreneurship, but before I was selling the smarty drugs, um, when I was in fourth grade, my parents got me a camera mm. and it was a fake camera mm. and it didn't work. And they just got it for me as like a toy and I thought it was real. So I would like go and I'd film movies and everything. And they, like I came home and I was like, mom, I filmed the greatest movie ever. This is so awesome and whatnot. You want to see it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like plugging. I was like, I don't know why it won't work. Mm. I just because it wasn't a real freaking camera. And, um, and then my parents felt so bad that they like swapped it for a real camera while I was sleeping. And I recognize now like I could easily look back in my life and I could say like that a video, like making movies or video content was like my dharma. But in actuality, it was storytelling. Mm. And like going back, because like I used to make these little clay things. So like when I think about myself and my brand, I don't think about us as like a video content agency. I think that's very, and anyone can do that. You can get five VAs together and you have a video content agency. I think that when I put my operation together, I'd like to think of us as like, and the reason behind Icon is that like, I'm on a mission to become the world's best storyteller. And when I build my videos out and you've seen several of them and whatnot, like I aim to tell like the world's greatest story. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with you and why we're on this show is because I want to get better at telling stories. Mm-hmm. And at first we started a little rough, but I think we're doing better. Um, <laughs> but I think like that's what my dharma is. And that's really yeah. cool that you mentioned that. Like looking back is what will tell you what's forward. Yeah, what lit you up as a kid when you were so innocent, you weren't told what like you needed to be. That's right? so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like just hidden right there. It's in yeah. plain sight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really don't know where to take it after that. <laughs> well, there was one more step. Take me to the so next step. So we had vision, yes. we had values and standards, and we had, uh, we had purpose, and then we need a plan from there. Plan. Right? Okay. So like you can adopt the, your, your business plan just as like your, and bring it into your personal life. But the way I do it is a three-year picture okay. of like, where do you want to be in three years? What do you want your clients to be saying about you? What do you want uh, your team to look like? How much money do you want to make? How much money do you want the business to make? All of that. You can do the same thing for yourself. Have a three-year picture of what do you want your body to look like? What do you want your relationships to look like? What do you want people to say about you? All of that stuff. Start with three years. Anything more than that is a little bit too far out. There are too many changes in the world. Anything yeah. less than that, you won't make these big leaps and bounds. I go back three years ago, I had $600 in my bank account and I was $82,000 in student loan debt. Now I'm completely wiped free of debt and wow. I have over a million dollars in my bank account. That's right? amazing, yeah. Three years. Um, and you can make big, big leaps and bounds in three years. So you set your initial vision there. Then you work back from there of like, okay, in a year, what are, what are those five to seven crucial goals that I want to hit in a year, right? Mm. And then you work back from there. In the next 90 days, what are those three to five crucial goals that I want to hit in the next, uh, next 90 days, yeah. next three months? Because two months is too short, four months is a little, stretching it a little bit, but three months seems to be perfect. Just like I set my goal to lose 20 pounds and uh, to quit drinking, hit it. And then um, from there, you want to look at, okay, what am I doing month to month to hit those 90-day goals? Mm -hmm. Cool. What am I doing week to week to hit 
uh, what I want to hit this month. What am I doing day to day? How am I structuring my day? Like, how am I setting my focus for my day? So I do morning intentions and I do evening reflections. Morning intentions, just quick. Um, I've, I've tested out five to seven questions. What are you grateful for? What are the three tasks or projects you need to get done today? Yeah. Don't go to bed until you finish those things. What are you really looking forward to today? Those sorts of things sets my day up great. And then at the end of the day, you review your day. And mm -hmm. you're like, how did I do today? Where did I screw up? Where did I get better? And answer those types of questions. Do you questions. have like a notebook you keep those in or what do you do? You write I, them down? I love technology, so I actually have them in a, a Word document. Copy the Word document, I write them down. Um, some people, a lot of people are more pen and paper when yeah. you're trying to be more expansive. I work great with technology. Do you like ever look back on the ones, like like the dailies? You know, just Not a lot, but it's super helpful to be like, I yeah. was in a totally different place like four months ago. So that's that's my thing. So I don't do the reflections as much and I'm trying to get more into the intentions and it's a little more difficult because like you read these, but there's so many different ways and you watch a video and then someone's like, you gotta say five things you're grateful for. You gotta like shout yes. And there's just, everyone has a different way of doing it and it works differently for everyone, but it's hard to like find the way that works for you. Yeah. Um, and so what I've done is I, at the end of every day, I set up my webcam and I record like a two minute recording of like what happened in my day, like what was I was excited about everything. And I can visually go back and look at every emotion and experience I've been feeling for the last three years now. Mm. And that's been really cool. That is cool. And it's also cool to use that in like a storytelling perspective because like when people, when I make my videos and you've seen it in several of them where like I've shown the moments where like, Guys, I, I sometimes I'm on top, but a lot of times I'm not. And like, here's exactly where I'm like crying because my day fucking sucked. Mm, I yeah, was I, just gonna say that's what she said, but I held <laughs> myself back, and now I said it. Some days I'm on top. Yeah, some days I'm up. Some days, I, some days I'm on top. Some days I'm on bottom. Sorry, mom. Are you a top or a bottom? Uh, I like switching it up. I like to switch it up too. I'm a, I'm a random guy, but yeah. but yeah. So like that, that's been really cool. <laughs> that's a. <laughs> we're not talking about sex. We're talking about... Uh, we're talking about life. Yeah. We're, Are you on top or bottom of life? Exactly. Sometimes I like to be at the bottom to look at the top, you know? Yeah. Check sometimes, your minds. Sometimes I like get to be at the top to look at the bottom, you know? Yep. That's how it is. Um, what's really cool, you know, I, I, this, is, this kind of is a little bit off topic in a, in a way, but it kind of reminds me of something in that... Someone once said that successful people, I remember a lot of people have this mindset where it's like successful people, you know, it's only up, 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 right? And like, yeah, like when you're going up, they might have a bad day, but it's such a tiny like idea of a bad day. Like, oh, like Jeff Bezos only lost a billion dollars, but he's still making three trillion, right? And, and it's like when you're looking at growth. Can I add yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. One quote that I love is, you're always gonna have problems. As long as you're going up, you're increasing the quality of your problems. Well, there was something I think either, yeah, exactly, the quality of your problems. Yeah. And I think there was something either you or Brad, uh, Brad Newman showed me, which was like, if your life, right, has really high moments, and then when you have bad days, yeah, they're, they're pretty bad, right? And then I sat there and I was like, I don't wanna have days like that, Brad. I don't wanna have days that are really high and days that are really low. I'd rather just have days that are medium high and medium low. And then he was like, well, you could have that. You could have that on a straight line where essentially your, your day wouldn't go up, but it wouldn't go down either. You would live in consistent middle, right? And he was like, but instead of having this, this flowing up and down thing. He's like, but then again, if you look at this and you take it into a hospital, this straight line, what does that mean? It means you're dead. That's a Brad thing. It's a yeah. Brad thing. But if you go up and down, 
That's living. That's life. Mm. And, and it doesn't have to be crazy, you know, difference in the wavelengths, but, but knowing that there's always going to be that up and down, that's, that's what life is. And it's that roller coaster, man. And it's, that to me is like one of the greatest things I've ever heard from someone say. So shout out Brad Newman on that. You really changed my yep. life with that one. Yeah. I've, I've like said that in hospitals. When people were like dying, I'm not even joking. Like I went and I put out like a whiteboard. I was like, you're just on the low stage <laughs> right now. And I was like, hopefully we don't hit that flat line again, buddy. We're going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, so so it, it is like that. And it's cool to be able to like go back and like look at everything you've done and be like, all right, I, there, was, there was days that were good and there was days that were bad. And mm -hmm. I always get to remember those now. Um, I think we've, we've gone on for, for a good amount here. Yeah, I think one thing that I want to add to that yeah. is a lot of times, especially entrepreneurs starting out, um, they set these high, high goals. Yeah. But their standards are so low for themselves. Okay. Like if you want to hit those high, high goals, you need to raise your standards. Standards of what? Define standards for me. Standards of how you act, like what you're willing to accept from yourself and mm -hmm. the people around you. Like yeah. setting of like, this is who I am and I'm not dipping below this. Mm. Like you re-identifying of like, I'm the person that doesn't masturbate. Yeah. Like a standard, I don't do that. Me, like, 90 days of not drinking and then eliminating it completely like for the past two years yeah like my new standard that's I'm a guy that i don't i don't drink yeah right? it, and like standards of okay i do my morning intentions every single day mm -hmm. i set my set my day up every single day standard of i hit the gym five times a week mm -hmm. right standard of this is how much money i make in my business and like i'm not dipping below it no matter what yeah. Right. Standard of this is how I treat people. I am like my values are honesty, integrity. I, I don't dip below that. I don't become dishonest. Right. Setting up those standards of this is who I am and I'm not dipping below that because way too many people out there don't have high enough standards for themselves and the people they surround themselves with. Wow. Yeah, no, that, I feel like that really does hit home. Um, and, it, and you can apply standards to really anything in a lot of ways. It's not, doesn't, it doesn't have to just be a mental thing. I remember there was like a day where I woke up and I said like, I, I set a, a, an aspiration other, and I've, I've spoken on stage about this several times where I essentially said, I know what I want to do. I need to put a number to my time, right? Like a value on my time. And so I said, from now on, my time is worth $50 an hour. So anything less than that doesn't make me $50, I just won't do it. And that was my standard. So like if a buddy asks me to drive to Miami to pick up a package and drive back and he's going to throw me 20 bucks for it, well, it's an hour there, an hour back. I've already wasted, you know, $100. Mm -hmm. And so having that standard and we had clients where I was like, from now on, the lowest I'm going to work for on a package is a thousand bucks. And I feel like it's kind of like a mountain, you know, so like. The higher you get on the mountain, the harder it is to like go back down the mountain. Like there's a lot of like, when you're going up to mountains, there's like little peaks, little, little areas you can like kind of rest. Mm -hmm. But like the higher you get up, you're like, I can't go below this again. It would be right. more dangerous for me to go back down the mountain than just right. to kind of like either stay here or keep going up. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think standards are pretty damn crazy. Yeah, and standards for the people that you surround yourself with, super crucial. Ooh. Like, like 
I don't surround myself with people that are not driven. Like they need to be driven, they need to be goal oriented, right? And in the past, like four years ago, I wanted that standard for the people around me, but I didn't embody that standard. So I can't expect that from somebody else. Okay. Now I'm super goal oriented, super fucking driven. Now I can expect that from the people around me. I see a lot of people like, oh, I need to change my network. I need to change like my friends, the people I surround myself with because they're not helping me level up. You need to create that within yourself first and then you can expect that from other people. Yeah, that that's a bit crazy of a concept when you really break it down because I remember there was a, a story of a football player. I can't remember what, what the guy's name was, but essentially um, he goes to the worst school in his county, right? It's absolute worst. And they go ahead and his, he, he's a football player. He's a high school player. And his parents basically say, hey, he's doing great. He's on track to get a, a D1 scholarship. We need to move him to a nice school. And he sits there and he begs his mommy, please. He's like, you can't let me go to a nice school. And they're like, why? And he's like, I have to go to the bad school. I have to graduate from the bad school. And when he goes back, he graduates from the bad school. He gets that D1 scholarship. And they ask him, they're like, why in the world would you go back to the worst school in the county when you were in the best? You could have gone to a much better college. You could have had a much better job. And he was like, there was people in that school that needed to see that it was possible, hmm. that I could do it and so could they. Mm -hmm. And that changed that school's rating from an F level school rating to a B school rating. The students were inspired. The community was inspired, mm -hmm. right? His family stopped going to jail back and forth. They said, if my you know, nephew can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really important is kind of like what we owe to the people around us is yeah. to pioneer that. And what's that really powerful in that story is that he built it up within himself first. And he was so strong in who he was and what he was capable of, he could spread that to others. Yeah. There are a lot of people that don't build it up enough in themselves first and then they try to do that. And mm -hmm. then those people around them pull them down, yeah. right? So just like LeBron James, like he tried to win a championship for Cleveland, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, right? And then he went to Miami, won championship after championship after championship, and built that up within himself of like, I can fucking do this. Like, this is on me, I'm going back to Cleveland. Because he built that up within himself. Yeah. And then he delivered a championship so, for Cleveland. So step one is always you gotta build it in yourself before yep. you can build it in others. And, yep. and I like that you said the route of, it's not about just like, if I had a group of friends that were maybe not the most positive friends, like they're good people, they're fun, but they're always partying, they're always drinking and whatnot. I can't just sit there and be like, the, the, the answer isn't that typical entrepreneur remedy of, I need to just find a new group of people because that's not gonna work. I will find a new group of people and then I'll be the dud of the group because I didn't evolve myself to have that standard to match them. And if I would have just focused on building myself to be a better person and being that inspiration for others, maybe I could have changed some of their lives too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. was really good. That was nice. some really powerful stuff right there. I'm gonna give you a little bro punch. That was, that was some magic. All right, we gotta clip that, clip that one, Dale. Um, well, damn, I feel like we've really, really kind of changed our, our, our style here. I feel yeah. like we're doing, we did a lot better. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I, I think I don't want to hold you up from your call or whatnot, but I feel like Jeff Fakes. Jeff Fakes. I feel like I keep this going for a little bit, but I'm, I'm glad we got to cover this far. We didn't even get into business or anything like that. We just talked about us and ourselves, and that, yeah. that's really fucking cool. I think that's um, the most powerful. It's, it's not about the tactics. It's about how you think about things. Yeah. And another thing I want to add there is like, fuck mindset. There's fuck so mindset. much talk about mindset out there. Fuck mindset. It's too broad. Too it's broad. too broad of a term. Like to achieve your goals, you need to have goals first and then you just take the action to achieve it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's not about this tricky mindset or like you were saying, yell yes five times in the mirror or uh, doing, doing cold plunges every day. And yeah. like, it's yeah. not that. Yeah, Kyle Lesoto, you're, you're off. It, it, the about. only thing is you set goals yeah. and you take the action to achieve those goals and you've got to protect, like to be able to get to those goals and in the fastest way possible is to take the action to achieve it and protect your biology. Meaning that a lot of times the way that we're thinking is because we're not taking care of our biology. We're not taking care of like how we actually feel. Yeah. Right? When you feel good, you move on a straighter path towards your goals. Yeah. So like really examine your life and look at the things in your life that aren't making you feel good. Okay. Like coping versus thriving. Right? Coping versus thriving. The more thriving you can do, the closer you'll get, you'll, the faster you'll get to your goals. You think you're ever gonna stop coping? No. You think we ever no. stop? No. No. There's, everybody copes. That's okay. It's limiting the amount that you cope. It's a healthy amount of coping. Yeah. Well, well this was a lot. This was great. I think we did a lot better. Um, well, I think, uh, I think that's really all the time we've, uh, we have to let that. Uh, Josh Forty always has three questions he likes to add at the end of his interview, like fast questions. Uh, I've prepared three as well. I hate uh, fast questions, but bring them on. Okay. Um, these are, <laughs> are going to be fun fast questions. All right. right? Now, you don't got a lot of thinking. Okay. okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you have an elephant. Yes. You can't sell the elephant or get rid of the elephant. What do you cool. do with the elephant? Uh, I ride it. You ride it. Where do you ride it to? Uh, oh, shit. People are going to hate me for writing it. This was a fast <laughs> question. That was the first thing that came to mind. Ah! Uh, what do is I it... do with the elephant? I make it as happy as possible. I take it on dates and I wine and dine it and give it an amazing life. I would have done a healthy level of riding the elephant. I would have armed the elephant with like a battle armor and like I would have pulled up to like the PETA club. PETA is going to come after us PETA is going to murder if us after this If we ever video. become like uber famous, this is going to be clipped out. If there I ever go. run as like a politician. Politician, clip it. I'll clip mm, it. Shit. Um, second fast question. Why are manholes circle? Circular. Uh, to, uh, did the, cause you can, everything good is a whole. Everything good is a whole. <laughs> <laughs> everything. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I told okay. you, I hate fast questions. <laughs>
give me time and space to think and I'll get the right He's answer. He's going to come back to next week with an educated uh, presentation. <laughs> Feast your eyes. A manhole is a circular prism because of the perplexity of steam acoustics. Oh, yeah. interesting. No, that's not the reason why. I just thought that's what you might, might say. I would the, if I had time and space. The, actu the actual answer, there is no answer as to why manholes are circles. It's actually a question that... Um, that Berkshire, uh, Berkshire and Hathaway, they, they asked their employees because no one knows the answer. There's no right answer. Do you no think right they answer. would have liked that? I don't, maybe. All, <laughs> all holes are good things. Do you uh, think they would hire me? I, I, they might. Okay. But they might not at the same time. <laughs> so it's a loaded question. It's a loaded oh, question. But if you like loaded questions, you can be sure to find more of them on the next episode of Conversations and Kimonos. I want to make sure. I don't sure. know what camera to look at, so I'm just going to go back and forth between the two that you have set up there. I want to really thank my guest Andrew for for that was being. Two questions. I don't have any more. Fast Elephant in a manhole. That was. Oh, there was a third one. You said one. there were three. There was three. Give me a second. Let me just check my notes here real quick. You can eliminate any color off the face of the planet. No one will ever see that color again, or a combination of that color and another color. What color do you choose? Mm, turquoise. Turquoise. What the fuck's wrong with turquoise? Nothing. It's just like I don't see it that much. You so. don't see it that much. Turquoise is like a great like oceany blue. You know. Is this turquoise? That's blue. Cool. I don't see any turquoise in this room. Are so you colorblind? No. I don't think. Okay. I wonder how many people that are colorblind don't know they're colorblind. I could potentially be colorblind and I would have no idea. Exactly. There's like no test yeah. for like colorblind. You could no, come up. There's definitely a test for <laughs> Test for. It's not like an I easy love how you just bring up fucking fake facts. That's happening. No, that is wrong. You go to Politifacts. That's CNN fucking News wrong. is busting through the door. Snopes is gonna break through the backdrop here and just be like, "Hey, there is a test." Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I guess there's a test, which is not easily accessible to the common public. Yes. And on top of that, I'd be scared to take a test. Like if you came out today, Andrew, and you were like, "Hey, listen." Came out of what? If you came to me okay. and you told me you were like, "Hey, listen." Uh, that, that's actually purple. And you were like, this is purple. You don't see that? And I'd be like, it looks blue to me. And then you'd be like, well, you should go take color. I wouldn't want to know I'm colorblind. I just hope my parents didn't fuck with me when I was little. Like, yeah. like the, telling me the wrong colors of everything. And now see, I'm describing See, I, I thought about wrong. that as a kid. I thought like, what if when I have kids, just for fun, right? Just for shits and giggles. Like, I'm going to convince my kid that like, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get, you know those like animal toys where like it turns and it says like the cow goes like moo yeah, and the, changing the, the chicken sound. goes like, the chicken goes caca, right? Like yeah. I was is like, wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> what sound does the chicken make? What sound does the chicken make, Andrew? Cluck, cluck? Cluck, cluck, I mean, yeah, but it also goes like <laughs> Your parents did that to you. <laughs> so I thought like, wouldn't it be super funny <laughs> if I like go ahead and I like take the labels off of like the cow and the dog and I like switch them around. Yeah. And then I've got the child and I do it for like all of the kids in the classroom. Sure. Except for my kid, yeah. right? So my kid knows the real sounds, but everyone oh. else in the classroom, they'll be like, what sound does a cow make? And all the kids would be like, bark. Yes. Woof. Yes. Meow. Yes. And then it would just be freaking hilarious. That's thought, wrong? I don't think that's wrong. I think it's goddamn funny. <laughs> uh, that being said, folks, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Andrew Cruzic. Andrew, where can we find you and all about you? If people want to say, I want to learn more about the Cruzy Cream, the, the, the Cruzy Club, Cruzy 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 Club. I don't think anybody's saying that. So. <laughs> where can we find you? Uh, Tribeofbuyers.com. Tribe, T R I B E O F, buyers, B Y. ERS.com uh, and on all socials, Andrew Cruzy, K R O E Z E. 
and uh, Becker would call it uh, Crozet. So however you want to pronounce it, K-R-O-E-Z-E. That's right, folks. You can join the Crozet Club today. And uh, until next time, this has been a pleasurable conversation. Thank you, dude.